Now, I was just uh, thinking, obviously, about uh, Father's Day. It's one of those things when you're growing up, it's like, oh, it's Father's Day. I should probably write my dad a card. Uh, and then when you become a dad, it just takes on a completely different meaning uh, of the significance um, and the role and, and just the weight of the responsibility of being a dad. Um, I think it's just crazy that God's entrusted me with three kids. I love it, but uh, absolutely need God's uh, guidance, strength, grace uh, to do that well. So uh, this morning, uh, we continue in the story of Acts. I believe this is week number 15. And when we started this journey uh, months and months and months ago, one of the things that I was looking most forward to was meeting the different characters Uh, along the way. The characters, meaning the men and the women uh, that were used by God to change the world that you and I live in. They not only changed their world, but they changed our world as well. And the story of Acts is not just the story of a few people. It's not just the story of Peter, and it's not just the story of Paul. Uh, It's the story of countless number, numbers of men and women who were used by God to change the world that we live in today. And this morning, I'm excited to introduce you to uh, Stephen. And uh, Stephen plays a significant role in the story of Acts and really the story of the Christian church and the Christian faith because he was the first person uh, that was killed for being a Christ one. He was the first one that was murdered uh, for being a follower of Jesus Christ. His story, I'm actually going to take two weeks uh, to walk through uh, some scripture in Acts chapter 6 and then all of next week, uh, Acts chapter 7. But these, Luke, who's the author of Acts, gives an incredible amount of attention and time and detail to who this man Stephen was. Uh, Not only how he died, but it was actually in Stephen's death that we catch a glimpse of what this man was like uh, in life. Um, The question that, as I've been praying through and studying and and preparing this passage, uh, was really a simple but a pretty profound question that I want to wrestle with today, but also wrestle with next week. And the question is simply this, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is following Jesus, is it really worth it? Because I wouldn't have to work too hard to convince any of you that being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, is not easy. Especially when the one we follow said, if you're going to come after me, die to yourself. Pick up your cross and follow. So I wouldn't have to work too hard to tell you that being a a Christ one, a follower of Jesus, a disciple, uh, is not the easy road. It's the less travel road. Um, So my question this morning is just simply this. Is it worth it? Specifically, is it really worth, is, is following Jesus really worth it? And why this question is so significant is that if you don't have an answer to, is it worth it? then following Jesus will just be a part-time affair for you. What I mean by part-time affair is if you're not convinced that it is worth following Jesus with all of you all of the time, then what's going to happen is when it gets a little bit inconvenient to follow Jesus, you won't. When it's easy to follow Jesus, well, you'll do it. Well, because it's easy. But if you're not convinced that Jesus is really worthy of you all of the time with all of who you are, then when it gets hard, or when the temptation to just go do your own thing, whatever it might be is, if you're not convinced that Jesus is worth it, then you'll just be a part-time follower. And to be honest with you, I don't really believe in part-time following Jesus. You're either following Jesus or you're not following Jesus. So this is really a significant question, the question of, is it worth it? Anytime you are asking a question, is it worth it, 
there's kind of another question that lies behind this one, and it's really, is it worth risking all of me, my character, my purpose, my mission, my eternal destiny, is it really worth risking all of those things on the person of Jesus? So it really becomes a question about risk. Now, if it's about risk, then you have to just make the decision. Is it worth risking it all on the God-man Jesus? So just think through that question now of how you would answer that. Is it really worth risking everything on the God-man Jesus? And when it comes to risk, in our current culture and context, there are places in the world where it is incredibly risky to follow Jesus to the point of losing your life. There are more people being martyred for Christianity today than in any other time in world history. So there are certain parts of our world, our universe, where you will lose your life if you are a follower of Jesus. So it is risky. Our culture, our context, our circumstance, there is risk involved, but it's not the same risk of having your head be severed from your body because you claim to be a follower of Christ. And if anyone understood risk, it was the men and women of the first century. Uh, In a book that uh, Stephen uh, Neal wrote, uh, he said this, Undoubtedly, Christians under the Roman Empire had no legal right to existence. Consider that. Christians under the Roman Empire had no legal right to existence and were liable to the utmost stringency of the law. Every Christian knew that sooner or later he might have to testify to his faith at the cost of his life. Every Christian in the first century, the story of Acts, they knew that there could be a point in time, and we're coming up on that point in time here in Acts 7 into Acts 8, where the church, many men and women were being persecuted to the point of death. They knew that to be a follower of Jesus, it could very well cost them their life. So we have to wrestle with the question, is it really worth it? Is following Jesus really worth it? This morning, we're going to walk through the story of Stephen, first Christian martyr, and this is the question I really wanted us to wrestle with. Is it worth it? Specifically, is Jesus, uh, is he worthy of all of us becoming like him? My conviction is, yeah, absolutely. Jesus is worthy of you and me, all of us becoming like him in this life all of the time. Not part-time, not some of the time, but my conviction, and I hope would be your shared conviction, he's worth it. Jesus is absolutely worthy of you and I becoming like him all of the time. Now, I'm going to read uh, the story of Acts uh, of Stephen. Uh, And again, this is going to be two parts. I'm just going to read uh, the back half of Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 8. And as I read these verses, um, I want you to consider why is this story really this significant? Like, how would this story be so encouraging to the men and women of the first century church? I don't know if you think about this, but you are currently setting an example for the men and women around you. All of us, we're all setting an example. Dads, you set an example every day for your kids. Moms, you do the exact same thing. Wherever you live, you're setting an example by the way you live, by how you live, by what you say, by what you don't say to those that live around you. You are all setting an example. And what I love about Stephen here is he sets an example for other Christians to follow, not just in life, but also in death. And God strategically places this story at at this time because 
in about a chapter and a half, the entire Christian church is about to be persecuted. But now they have an incredible example in Stephen of what it looks like to say, you know what, he's worth it. I will risk all of me any day of the week on the man Jesus. This is his story, Acts chapter 6. Stephen, I love how Luke describes him, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. And they were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicilia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. It was almost like a debate contest. They brought the best of what they had against Stephen, and they couldn't keep up with the wisdom that Stephen had. And so in verse 11, they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen. And is this sounding, as we go through this story, does it sound a little bit familiar as what Jesus went through himself? So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheming Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. And so they arrested Stephen and they brought him before the high council. And the lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And at this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel. I don't know if you've ever had someone uh, falsely accuse you, lie about you, uh, and all of that. I don't even know if you've had someone just, you ever have someone stare at you for more than like a few seconds? Look to your neighbor right now and just stare at him and see if it freaks him out. It does, right? It's like, what are you looking at me for? But at the end of this story with Stephen being falsely accused, lied against, they look at him and they can't stop looking because he's glowing. His face is reflecting that of an angel. So Stephen here, this is kind of part one of the road that he is walking towards his death. Next week we're going to look at his response to these false accusations. But this morning, if the question is, is it really worth it? If you would answer yes, and my prayer would be all of us would say Jesus is worth it. He is worthy of all of me becoming like all of him all of the time. Well, what does that life actually look like? If you're going to be Jesus is worth it type of man or woman, how do you live that life on a day-to-day basis? So if your life would be shaped by the truth that Jesus is worth it, that Jesus is worthy of you becoming like him, what does that life look like? And I'm just going to share with you a few things that I learned from these few verses from the example of Stephen. Number one would be this. I encourage you to write these down. Number one was, would be, you'd be one You'd be who you are in Christ. Let me repeat that again. You'd be who you are in Christ. So if you're going to say Jesus is worth it, then every day you wake up, I'm going to be today who Christ has made me to be. And by the way, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, a disciple Incredible promise to you from God. 2 Corinthians says this, If anyone's in Christ, new creation, old is gone, new has come. 
And Scripture makes clear that if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God living within you. So if you're a Christian, you're not the same. And so if you would say Jesus is worth it, then every day you wake to the, to the thought, to the idea, to the commitment that I'm going to be today who I am in Christ, who Christ made me to be. Look at uh, Stephen, Acts uh, chapter 6 and a few verses. This is the descriptors of this man. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit uh, with which Stephen spoke. Here's the question. Is Stephen an anomaly? Like, should we just slap a big fat S on his chest? And he's like Superman. He's like superhero Christian. Is this guy like way up here and us like normal subpar Christians are like down here? Is what is being talked about and described about Stephen, is he just a one-off case? Or is what is being described about Stephen, should that be used to describe us? And I would say yes, absolutely. Stephen didn't have a different spirit of God that you don't have. Stephen didn't have some different wisdom that God gave him that he's holding out on you. God didn't give him an extra measure of power that is not available to to you or I. So this is not necessarily an anomaly of a one-off case. These descriptors, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of God's grace, full of God's power, full of wisdom. If you didn't catch this, he was full. He was full. He was literally filled with with the gifts that God had given him through the Spirit. I think this is a a challenging question, but if you're a Christian, follower of Christ, disciple, are you living every day as Christ has created you to live, or are you just living a refurbished version of your old self? And be honest with yourself. I think a lot of us are just living a refurbished version life. And when we can't do something or we just keep getting in our own way, then we'll go to Jesus and say, man, I don't know what to do here. See, I don't think Stephen was living a refurbished life. When he came to Christ, the Spirit, grace, power, wisdom, all of those that were given to Stephen are also given to each of us as well. Is it worth it? Well, Stephen said yes. And what it looked like for Stephen every single day was he lived in light of who he was in Christ, not a refurbished version of his old self. When it talks about Stephen being filled uh, with wisdom and power and grace and the Holy Spirit, it's another way of understanding is that Stephen was completely controlled by Christ. He was completely controlled by the wisdom of Christ, the power of Christ, the spirit of Christ. He had submitted, surrendered. He was allowing the spirit of God to completely control all of him. And so when you hear he was filled with these things, he was a man that was being controlled. So it really does come down to maybe a a challenging question of who is controlling you? And if it's you, you're just a refurbished version of an old self that God doesn't want for you. 
But because Jesus is worth it, every day we'd wake saying, today is the day that I will enjoy, I will walk, I will thrive in being the man or the woman that Christ has made me to be. Walking in his power, walking in his spirit, walking in his grace, walking in his wisdom. And watching what God will do with you and through you. Number two, I'm going to just share two more things. If Jesus is worthy of you becoming like him all of the time, number two would be this. You'd live life with Jesus. You'd live life with Jesus. I think one of the promises that the first century church not just memorized as a great scripture memory verse, but I think one of the things that guided everything that they did as a church was the last thing that Jesus had told them before he ascended to heaven. And he said, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I've asked this question uh, before uh, in church, but the question is, would there be anything different about how you live your life if you were convinced that Jesus was with you at all times? Now, I don't want you to go to the negative, because I think most of us would be like, well, if I was really believed Jesus was with me all the time, I'd probably stop doing this, I'd probably stop doing this, I probably wouldn't say this, I probably wouldn't respond or react to people like this. And those are, we're, we're saying, because Jesus is with me, all this negative stuff, I would stop. But what I'd like you to consider, what I'm wondering, if there would be things that you would actually start doing if you were convinced that Jesus was with you at all times. It's one thing to say, well, I can stop doing this. I can stop doing this. But is there anything that you would start doing differently in how you lived, how you loved, how you served, how you gave, how you engaged, how you related? Is there anything that you would do differently if you were convinced that no matter where you were and what you were doing, the presence of Jesus was right there with you? Stephen was convinced that Jesus wasn't kidding. It wasn't like a joke when he said, I'll be with you. Stephen banked everything on this, that Jesus was completely with him. That no matter what he did and was doing, he wasn't doing it alone. Just ask it again. Is there anything that you would begin to do if you were absolutely convinced that Jesus was with you. Now, as I read uh, in Acts chapter 6, these few verses, starting in verse 10, it says, None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. And so they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, You know, we've heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. And the lying witnesses said, The man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law. We've heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Now, this might not seem like a really big deal to us. Like, okay, so they're falsely accusing him of something here. What's the problem? What's the big deal? Well, blasphemy in the first century and allowed by Roman law was punishable by death. So this is Stephen in dire straits here. What he's being accused of will lead to his death. This would not be like you accusing me of like, hey, we saw Michael Davis in a Kidoba, which would never happen. <laughs> That's not a big deal. You overlook 
goofy, weird things like that. But Stephen, what he's being accused of, if not justified and set right, he will be put to death because blasphemy against the, the temple, blasphemy against God was punishable by death. Now, next Sunday, we're going to look at the entire message, looking at how Stephen responded to these accusations. But what I want us to see simply is this. When Stephen was in dire straits, he knew that he was not alone. When he was in dire straits, in a really rough spot, he knew that he was not alone. How do I know that I, that, that I can say that Stephen knew that he was not alone? And my answer is simply this. Well, because there's Acts 7. There's Acts 7. So rather when he was being falsely accused, he could have completely bailed. He could have been like, I don't even know who Jesus is. I'm not even a Christian. And the story would have ended. There would have been no more conversation. There would not have been persecution if Stephen in that moment would have crumbled and said, you know what? I don't even know who this Jesus is. But because there's an Acts 7, and as you'll see next week, so please come back next week, Stephen's response is, let me tell you a little bit about the story of God, starting with Abraham, going all the way to the man, Jesus Christ. You don't stand in the face of opposition and persecution unless you are convinced that you're not standing alone. And Peter, Stephen knew that he was with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said, Stephen, I'm with you, always. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, I'm with you. So if Jesus is really worth it, number two, you'd live life with him. Knowing that there's no one or nothing that could ever separate you from the presence of Christ. And that knowledge should lead us to live such different lives. Not saying, well, I guess I'm not going to do this anymore. It should inspire us to say, well, because Jesus is with me. This is Jesus, the, the one who conquered death. There's nothing I can't do. Why? Because Christ is with me. Christ is with me and Christ is for me. Number three, if Jesus is worthy, what might it look like? Number three, finish with this one. You'd reflect Christ. You would reflect Christ. I'm sure you guys know this, but you all have a reflection. You all reflect someone or something. It just is a question of what is it uh, that you are reflecting. Now, if you were in Stephen's position, being falsely accused, being lied about, and what he was enduring in front of all of these people, what would your response have been? What would your body language, what would it have been? Don't you think that if you're honest, I would, I would probably be reflecting back to the people who are accusing me the same anger, the same bitterness, the same frustration, the same annoyance. We often reflect back to others what we are receiving or what we're getting from others. But this is not what Stephen was reflecting. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. How is it that Stephen, this man's reflection, was that of an angel? My answer is just simply this. When one gets around Jesus, they begin to reflect the one they are around. Stephen was a man who had been around Jesus, and it showed. Same thing happened to Moses. 
when he got around God, he came down from the mountaintop, people were like, the dude's face is lit up right now. We need to put a covering over him. When you and I get around Christ, we begin to reflect Christ to those around us. Simply, we look different. Why? Because in the presence of Christ, you cannot help but become like him. To all people, regardless of what the situation or the circumstance would be. Now, are you familiar with the phrase, uh, the term body language? Yes? See, I had heard of body language, I don't know, young age, right? But it wasn't until I got married that I learned about body language. Because often, early on, and, and still happens, Kyle would be like, you know, she would say something as simple as this, that's what you said, but that's not what you said. And so often I'd be like, what's the problem here? You heard me say this, and then she would respond by saying, but that's not what you said. And faithful, uh, reliable Wikipedia says this about body language. Is a form of mental and physical ability of human, that would be you, nonverbal communication consisting of body posture, gestures, facial expressions, and eye movements. What that means is you communicate with your body, with your eyes, with your face, with your hands, with how you stand, and you body language every single day. And you know what body language received is like, because you know when someone's annoyed with you, you know when someone's angry with you, and they might not be saying angry things, but just their posture, it screams, why are you so angry right now? Why are you so frustrated we communicate with our body, and as I'm just, Acts chapter 6, verse 15, his body language was screaming back to them the face of an angel. So this is, I think, a pretty challenging question, but what are you reflecting? What are you reflecting back to those that are around you? There's going to be people who are going to frustrate you, people who might annoy you, people who just might ask way too much of you. There are going to be people who will falsely accuse you of things. There will be people who misrepresent you. There will be people who misunderstand you. There's going to be people who just are tiring to you. And by the way, you're that same way to other people as well. But... When you're in the midst of it, what is your body language screaming back to that person? Is it screaming back, wow, that man, that woman is, they're reflecting, they just look different. They should be angry, they should be annoyed, they should be put out, but they just seem joyful. I just totally yelled or screamed or said something mean to them. And they didn't fight back. They just responded with this look of just love and grace and compassion. If Jesus is really worth it, if he's really worth it, it's going to show up every single day in your reflection. Because people who are saying, I'm not really sure if Jesus is, is worth it, well, it's going to show up in your reflection. You'll just reflect back to those around you what those around you are looking like. 
but if you are convinced that Jesus is worth it, that he is worthy of you becoming like him at all times and all things, you will begin to reflect Jesus back to those that are around you. So what are you currently reflecting to those around you? Spouses, here's a great question you can ask your husband or your wife. Hey, what's my reflection been like recently? Parents, ask your kids. Maybe you have to explain it to them if they're younger, but ask them, hey, when you ask me for something, do I act like I'm just annoyed with you? Do I act like I'm just put out by you? Ask coworkers. I mean, if you want to grow in this, ask people. Listen, I can't see myself, but you can. So when you see me, what is it that you see? And ask for an honest answer. And if they give you what you were hoping they didn't see, then you begin praying, Jesus, because you're worth it. I'm going to continue to position myself around you. Why? So that I can reflect you. I'm going to position myself in prayer, in word, on your mission. I'm going to position myself in your character so that in all times with all people, I can just begin reflecting you. If Jesus is worth it, you'd be who you are in Christ. Stephen wasn't a superhero. He was just a normal dude like you or me who was controlled by the wisdom of God, the power of God, the spirit of God, the grace of God. He was every day who he was in Christ, not refurbished, but who Jesus had made him to be. Stephen, convinced that Jesus was with him. This one, I hope, motivates and inspires you to say, you know what, tomorrow's going to be a different day. Why? Because I don't walk alone. I don't live alone. I can love differently. I can encourage differently. I can respond differently. Why? Because it's not just me. Christ at work with me, he's not left me. He's not abandoned me. So I can handle any situation that might come my way. Why? Because it's not me. I'm not alone. So you can go to work with a totally different mentality and attitude tomorrow. You can approach Monday, not as Monday. You can approach Monday as, Monday! I get to go love people this week. I get to go serve people this week. Why? Well, because you're not alone. Mondays feel like Mondays because it's Monday and it's just you. But he's worthy of it. He's worth it. And the last one is we just begin reflecting him. I don't know, maybe an interesting thought, but do you think like Stephen at some point just like hunkered down and he's like, all right, I got to put my game face on and I just got to start shining. I don't think he did that. I don't think he tried to shine. I don't think he like worked super hard to conjure up some glow. And I don't think he painted anything on himself to make him look a little bit more angelic. I think it was just simply a byproduct of when you're around Christ, you can't help but become like him. So the message isn't like, go try harder to start reflecting Christ. No, just enjoy being with Christ and watch how Christ will begin to reflect through you to different people. And you might not have someone come to you and say, wow, you look like an angel right now. But you might have someone say, you know what? I see joy in you that I haven't seen. Because you used to be a pretty angry, frustrated, anxious, worried person, and like you seem content. You seem happy. What's going on? I've just, I've been with Christ. Christ is making a difference in me. Is Jesus worth it? 
My answer is yes. Next week, we're going to walk through the rest of Stephen's response because he walks through the story of God leading up to the man, the God-man Jesus. And Stephen, his dying breath was what Christ uttered on the cross. Stephen was a man who just epitomized that Jesus is worth it. And it showed up not just in how he died, but it showed up in how he lived. As we close today, I would want to invite you, if you're a Christian, to really settle this question today so that tomorrow will be different. This is not a judgment on one person. This is a statement for all of us. We were not meant to live a refurbished version of ourself. We were meant to live in the wisdom, in the power, in the spirit, in the grace of God every day. Not just on Sunday, but every day we live like that. Your prayer today in response might just simply sound, Jesus, I've not been living like you are worthy of all of me becoming like all of you all of the time. And repent of that. And make a simple declaration that Jesus, you're worthy. You are absolutely worthy. And just simply pray these three points back that you'd be who you are in Christ, that you'd live life with Jesus and you'd reflect Jesus. Now to those who are here today and you're not a Christian, I'm really thankful that you're here today. If you're just trying to figure out Christianity and who Jesus is and what God's like, I'm glad that you were here today because my invitation for you is simply this. Respond to Jesus. Begin a relationship with Jesus because he's worthy of it. He laid down his life. He came so that you could have life. You could have all your sins forgiven. You could have peace with God. You could have eternity in heaven. He is worthy of you following him. He is worthy of you becoming like him at all times. So my invitation, if you're not a Christian, is simply this. Today, become a Christian. And you simply do that by saying, Jesus, I've not followed you. I've followed me. I've done my thing. But today, Jesus, I confess you are God, you are Savior, and you are worthy to be followed. Let that simply be your prayer.